You are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. Going to go over a little bit of the spoilers that I gave you yesterday. There is one correction and one update on it. Uh, some things that we can rule out in terms of what happened in London. Uh, I've got some talk about the challenge last night. Good episode. Special Forces last night. Another good episode of that show on Fox. Night Court, a show that I grew up with in the 80s, is back on network television. I didn't even know this till like three days ago. Got some thoughts. I've got a correction to make about MILF Manor. I apologize. And um, boy, you know the world's going to hell in a handbasket when you find out that Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World was in an open marriage. <laughs> what the hell? Anyway, we'll get to that momentarily. This podcast is brought to you by, we got three sponsors today. First off, Real Friends of WeHo. If you love the wives, then get ready for some real house guys because Friday nights on MTV are getting fabulous. Don't miss the Real Friends of WeHo, all part of MTV's new Friday nights after RuPaul's Drag Race tomorrow at 9, 8 central on MTV. Also, if you love the Jersey Shore, then get ready because this season is going to be the biggest family vacation ever on Thursday. January 26th, the family is traveling shore to shining shore. You don't want to miss this. Make sure to watch Jersey Shore Family Vacation. New season premieres Thursday, January 26th at 8, 7 central on MTV. Also, this podcast brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Go to greenchef.com slash realitysteve60 and use code realitysteve60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. GreenChef.com slash RealitySteve60. Use code RealitySteve60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. GreenChef, the number one meal kit for eating well. All right, let's get going. And right off the bat, let me just tell you a couple things related to the podcast. Number one, the podcast, our Thursday podcast, number 322, is with Susanna Summers, who is also known as, you know her as Bachelor Data. Good conversation. That'll be up in a couple hours. The Sports Daily will be up in an hour. So as you know, if you're just getting back in the swing of things, you haven't been paying attention for the last couple months, I now do 11 podcasts a week, five daily roundups, five the Sports Dailies, and one Thursday podcast. Starting next week, you will have all that continuing. Plus, you're going to get your recaps on Tuesday on the website, your reader emails on Wednesday, and then your three podcasts on Thursday. So, Nothing changes, it's just added things that you are going to get. I know a lot of you have asked me and said to me, oh, I miss your columns, why don't you write anymore? And it's like, I don't know what to say because this happens every off-season. I do not write in the off-season. The only time I do post stuff is when I have spoiler-related things to post, like I did yesterday, but I hadn't had any new spoilers since November 15th. But when I did, I put it in a column, so... Everything goes back to normal when the season is on the air. But when the season is off the air, the only time I post columns and the only time I do anything on my website is on Thursdays when I post the podcasts and then anytime I want to recap something that happened on dates or what's happening during filming. I'll put that in a column as well. So I know people want to ask that every season and say, why don't you write anymore? But it's been this way for years now. So I don't know if these people are new, um, but... That's all I can say is you are going to get your normal 
week of columns, recaps on Tuesdays, reader emails on Wednesdays, and then the podcasts on Thursdays, all while getting podcasts every day of the week, every day, daily roundup, every day, the sports daily, and then Thursdays, the added podcast interview. Now, yesterday I posted spoilers, uh, some new ones that I had found out since I last posted back on November 15th. The biggest thing was, like I said, there's something that goes down in London that basically changes uh, what happens in the show. It almost shapes the rest of the season is is kind of what I was told. and But I don't know what it is. All I know is Gabby gets a one-on-one and then there are no other dates in London. And I, to- I was told it wasn't bad, but it was something that production did not see coming. It was unplanned and they had to basically scramble on the fly. The number one guess I got from most of you yesterday was, oh, I bet this has to do with the Queen dying. And I said, no, because the Queen died on September 8th. They didn't go to London until October. It has nothing to do with the Queen. Um, It was directly related to Bachelor production. Leads, contestants, crew. It had nothing to do with external sources. That's the only thing that I know about it. So, no, it has nothing to do with the Queen. And it really wouldn't have made sense it had to do with the Queen because then why would they even film one date, you know? They filmed Gabby's one-on-one, and then no other dates were filmed. And like I said, we've got five weeks to hopefully figure this out or be me being told. I'm not, I'm not going to figure anything out. Either someone's going to tell me about it or not. Like, There's nothing I'm going to really be able to piece together. Maybe, maybe the season preview, the three-minute preview that they give you at the end of the first episode, maybe there'll be stuff in there that hints at it. It's very possible, but we won't know until we see it. Uh, but if nothing comes in that three-minute promo, then it's just going to be either I'm told about it or it, I'm just not going to find out, and we're just going to have to wait till the London episode airs. But that's where we're at with that. One other thing that I did find out in regards to eliminations, I told you yesterday that Mercedes got eliminated in London because – now, I don't know if she got eliminated because she had food poisoning. I know she got food poisoning in London. Maybe that led to her dismissal. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, the other person eliminated in London was Kylie. So we do have a now I'm going to update that in the on the website on the spoiler page that we do have nine women that we know went to Estonia. And that is, you know, um, the the four our final four, which is Gabby, Ariel, Charity and Katie. And then Greer, Catherine, Jess, Brooklyn and Allie are the nine that go to Estonia. And we know that the two one on ones in Estonia were Charity and Ariel. So Katie, Gabby, Greer, Catherine, Jess, Brooklyn, and Allie are all on the group date. And then I don't know who gets eliminated there. I believe it is, what did I put on the side? I believe Jess is one of them. And then I know, and then it's got to be Allie because I think seven go to Budapest. And if they had nine at the start of Estonia, and seven go to Budapest, that means only two left. And I know Jess didn't make it to Budapest, and I don't believe Allie did either because I know Brooklyn's there. I know Catherine's there. We know the final four are there, and then I'm almost positive Greer's there. So I guess it's between Greer and possibly um, Allie. So maybe it's Allie eliminated in Estonia and Greer goes to Budapest, or Greer's eliminated in Estonia and Allie goes to Budapest. But either way... um, we do know now, officially, nine women go to uh, Estonia as Kylie and Mercedes were eliminated in London. One correction I want to make, I have corrected this in the spoilers. Yesterday, I talked about Christina 
and I said that the preview showing a woman sleeping on the steps at the mansion on night one was Christina. That actually wasn't night one. It was the the day of the pool party, which was rose ceremony number three day, where they canceled the cocktail party, had a pool party during the day, something they've done numerous times in the past. That was Christina taking a nap on the stairs during the pool party, not night one. So made that correction. Little thing, wrong, correct, correct, um, spoiler, wrong episode. So just keep that in mind. And that's also the episode, like I said, where it gets very, things get very tense uh, with Brianna. It forces Brianna to quit the show. And then Christina is the only one who gets eliminated at the third rose ceremony. One episode after she got the first one-on-one of the season. So yeah, like I said, things are probably not going to go well for Christina in the three episodes that she's on, but that doesn't mean people need to harass her and call her names and tell her what a shitty mother she is. Like she's already getting before one episode airs. Like I'm going to say it till I'm blue in the face, but I know that's not going to change people. There are trolls out there that just want to make people's lives miserable because their lives suck to holy hell. So they figure they got to drag other people down with them and that's what they're going to do. So I hope for Christina's sake, she's just prepared about what's coming because it sucks and it's kind of the price you pay by going on this show. Not everybody is guaranteed a bad edit. Like, yes, maybe she didn't handle herself well and maybe she drank too much and maybe she makes a complete ass of herself. But I think she knows that. I don't think that she thinks she did a lot of things correctly. So I don't think she needs to be told or called names or, you know, you know, been told that she's a horrible representative for her daughter, which I'm sure is coming. And that just sucks. And she's already been harassed. Let's just lay off it. Just have your opinions in your own head about Christina. You don't need to share it with the world. I guarantee you nobody cares what your opinion is. Guaranteed. Especially when that opinion is just to drag another woman down. So moving on, let's talk about television last night and the last couple days. Last night on the challenge, we saw Amber and her boyfriend decide, well, Let's just throw ourselves into the zone because we're probably going in anyway. I don't see what the big deal was. I know the other players made a big deal of it. Well, this is what you get for throwing yourself into the zone. Look, I guess there's a possibility that Bananas and Nani wouldn't have put them in as the vote and they could have possibly been saved by a dagger. But it seems like even if they didn't throw themselves in as the vote, they probably were going to be the vote. So I know they made a big deal out of it, but to me, it wasn't that big of a deal. I thought they were going in anyway. And them volunteering to go in, I don't think played any sort of role in why they lost to Anissa and Jordan. I really don't. Jordan was going to beat Chauncey every day of the week and twice on Sunday in that zone challenge because, as he said, he outfought him in that. Clearly, Chauncey is much bigger physically than Jordan, yet Jordan beat him fair and square and beat him with his head. And it looks like Chauncey didn't have a chance against Jordan if they would have continued to go on. And while Anissa might not be the greatest endurance-wise, it didn't look like Amber ever stood a chance against her in that particular matchup either. Anissa was just way too powerful and basically threw Amber around like a rag doll on that sand. And that's something that 
Amber could have tried some sort of strategy. I don't think it would have worked. She just, even if she tried Jordan's strategy, somehow she figured it out and used a Jordan strategy. I don't think it would have mattered uh, because on a challenge like that, it looks like, I say it looks like strength will always win out, but that's clearly not the case because Jordan beat Chauncey. However, with the women, I just don't think Amber, like Jordan is close enough to Chauncey where he might not have the strength, but he's close enough to where his strength and his brain could get him to win that challenge. Whereas the discrepancy in strength between Anissa and Amber was too big of a gap. And it didn't matter what Amber's brains did in that particular challenge. She just was never going to be able to get Anissa and to be able to move Anissa. It was just, you saw it. Amber wasn't even close to knocking over one of the, stones or whatever it was one of the blocks Anissa wiped the mat with her <laughs> I mean unless Amber would have gone to the back to the drawing board and if it would have gone to a you know best you know a third match and it would have gone back to the women I didn't see it but yeah so we've got what we've got uh, five teams left it looks like we're very close to the finals and next week we're going to start our march to the finals with maybe Whatever challenge it is, TJ in the previews is saying it's the biggest challenge of the season, so that probably means whoever finishes last is gone, and then those final four teams make the challenge. If not, final three, and then they have something else where the bottom two teams battle it out and you know whatever. But it looks like next week the team that finishes last is not going to run TJ's final. Special Forces on Fox last night. I wanted to point something out. I don't know if you all noticed this. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. It's a it's a TV production thing. We see it all the time with The Bachelor. However, when The Bachelor is filming a one-on-one date, say Zach is out on a date, let's take the first one-on-one of the season, with Christina, we'll see them go out wherever they are, and then within that particular day, like over dinner, we see them talking at dinner, and then we'll see an ITM of Zach, clearly in the same outfit he wore at dinner, talking about, how the dinner's going, and we'll see Christina in the same outfit. If you notice, everything on Special Forces, because we see how they're living, they're living in fatigues, and at no point are they getting dressed up to go film an ITM. Everything you're seeing in Special Forces, the ITMs were filmed all in the preseason, before they even went there, or maybe it was filmed while they were there, but I'm saying before the actual competition started. So all these interspersements of video footage you're seeing of Anthony Scaramucci talking about his job and his businesses and all this stuff, and Beverly Mitchell talking about her insecurities, and Kenya Moore talking about having a baby at the age of 47, those were all shot before the competition began. They just knew what questions to ask because I guess they figured it would come up. Now, they intersperse it when they're showing certain challenges and then you see them cut to Kenya Moore all dolled up and in full makeup and in a you know in her outfit talking about yeah I've had trust issues and you know she had a trust issue last night on the challenge with Beverly so it all kind of lined up but it's very different from other reality shows where you film it that day and you just go off to the side and film something clearly special forces everything was filmed at the beginning of the show before any of the competitions even started and I'm sure you, I'm sure you've picked up on that because you notice that 
these people are just living a life in a tent and in fatigues and they're dirty and sweaty and they have to go to the bathroom with somebody and it's outside and all that stuff. They're not at the end of every night getting dressed up and going to film ITMs that you're seeing. So hope you picked up on that. I'm not surprised that Beverly Mitchell uh, ended up quitting. She's one of the ones I thought would be in the first episode quitting, but you know, this show is just, I, I watch these challenges and I'm like, yeah, no, thanks. I'll just watch from home. As I sit here, I'm on a recliner eating popcorn. Yeah, I'm just, I all the credit in the world to these people for at least trying, but I have zero interest in doing any of those. And it just goes to show how much respect that we have to have for our military and our special forces people. And that's an unbelievable, underappreciated job in America. Probably the most underappreciated job because most of the stuff that happens overseas we'll never know about ever. I mean, those people are almost sworn to secrecy. You can't talk about that stuff. You can't talk about missions that you were on. And just watching that show, man, uh, I, all the credit in the world to the celebrities who went on it and even tried it, to the real-life special force ops that go through that stuff and are overseas right now fighting for our country. Unbelievable, because I have zero interest in rappelling down the side of a cliff and having someone else be the one to have to stop it for me. No, thanks. Anyone listening to this was an 80s baby or grew up in the 80s? Did you ever watch Night Court? Man, it's back on the air. And it's not like they're doing a whole new show. I mean, they're basically saying this is Night Court that you watch in the 80s 30 years later. Now, the only person from the original cast who's still on this show John Larroquette, who, if you didn't watch the original, you wouldn't get it. But John Larroquette, I believe, you know what? I'm going to look it up. Hang on real quick. I knew he won, but I just wanted to get this correctly. John Larroquette won Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series four straight years. The Emmy, 85, 86, 87, and 88. Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series for Night Court. He was the Primetime Emmy Award winner. So he was a big thing back in the 80s. And... It's very cool to see him back in that role. I need to watch more episodes before I know if I'm going to stick with it, if the humor is still up to date, if they're able to adjust with the times. I I think it's cool that they made Harry Stone's quote-unquote daughter the new judge for the night court, Melissa Rauch. I don't watch Big Bang Theory, but I know she was on it. I'm not sure if I if I buy her yet as, as a judge. I don't know how funny she is. She didn't seem too funny in the first episode. Um, but I'm going to give it a chance just because it's a show that I used to watch all the time. And even though I was, you know, 10 years old and I probably didn't get a lot of the humor, I really enjoyed Dan Felding, uh, John Larroquette's character. Uh, I just thought he was smarmy and sarcastic and funny. And one of the first characters that I was like, wow, this guy's, this guy's funny. And yeah, I knew I knew he was really good. I knew he was up for Emmys. I just wanted to make sure that he won. But yeah, he was the best supporting actor in a comedy series for four straight years, 85 to 88. And will he be up for it now? Probably not, but uh, very pretty cool. Very nostalgic that they brought that back, and that's now on NBC on Tuesday nights. Talked about MILF Manor the other day, and I said that the women's sons are part of the dating pool. They're the only 
men in the dating pool. It's the eight moms and the eight sons. So, no, it's not like a bunch of other guys either, and there just happen to be the sons in there. And someone told me that one of the <laughs> one of the quote-unquote challenges is um, they blindfolded all the moms, and the moms had to grope the bare chests of all the men to guess which one was her son. I mean, come on. Really? And the mom pair, the mom son pair each have to share a room. Like the beds are right next to each other. So if one of the other guys wants to knock it out with one of the guys, moms, he has to listen to it. I, okay. And, um, I, I, yeah, it's on. I, I thought it was Lifetime or We TV. No, it's on the TLC channel. Or is that is that the, oh the Learning Channel? So it's on the TLC, I guess. <laughs> saying TLC channel is kind of redundant because that's saying the Learning Channel channel. It's on the TLC. Did not even know that this is part of something that we should be learning about how milfs want to court their the, a bunch of guys that are the ages of their sons. But apparently that's what we're learning now, quote unquote. And then finally, this story, which was just kind of crazy to read. The wife of William Daniels, who played Mr. Feeney on Boy Meets World. His wife, Bonnie Bartlett Daniels, she was on St. Elsewhere. They've been married for 72 years. you got to be kidding me. I didn't even know that was possible. They've been married for 72 years. She's 93 He's 95, and she wrote a memoir that's now out called Middle of the Rainbow. And she talks about how in the early 50s, they had an open marriage. And she said they were in New York. It was a time when people were doing that, a lot of sex, a lot of people doing all kinds of things, you know, very free. Uh, But it wasn't very good for her. She admitted in her new memoir she never felt guilty about extramarital affairs because she never felt tied to fidelity, and neither did Bill. She admitted to having an affair that lasted a few months with another actor in 1959, but William Daniels had an affair with a New York-based producer in the early 70s that left her devastated, and at that point she wanted to change her relationship. So I'm sure you can read all about this in her book. However, just the concept of Mr. Feeney now knowing of, and look, I understand it's a television show. It's a character. And now we're learning about their private life, which has not one has nothing to do with the other. But I think in a lot of people's minds who grew up in the nineties and watched boy meets world to hear that Mr. Feeney was in an open marriage. It is kind of weird. You got to admit that, right? Nobody wants to hear that. It's Mr. Feeney for Christ's sakes. Everyone's favorite teacher. Yeah, so if you didn't see that story, it's out there. If you want to go buy her book, go buy it. You can read about a 72-year marriage. Holy shit. So he was 20. So he's 95 and she's 93, and they've been married 72 years. So he got married. He was 21, and she was uh, 19 when they got married. Oh, boy. So, yeah, go check that out if you're interested. But, man, kind of just shake your head at the fact that Mr. Feeney now, now I don't remember him as the teacher that gave great advice on Boy Meets World. 
I see him as uh, the swinging open marriage single. I wouldn't even call him single. He was married, but just a guy swinging in New York in the 50s or 70s when he had his affair. Feeney, come on now. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. Very much appreciate it. As you know, the Sports Daily will be up in an hour. And then podcast number 322 with Susanna Summers, who is Bachelor Data on Instagram. That'll be up in a couple hours from now, right before 10 a.m. Eastern time. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you tomorrow. See you.